Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning. Good morning. Um, it is the 26th of April. This is hour two. So thank you so much um, for taking me along for the ride, wherever we're going. Where are we going? Where are we headed this morning? And where in the word are you today? You know, that's my encouragement. Let's be in the word of God every day before we get out there into the world that God so loves. So you can uh, you can text me. You can let me know where in the word you are. You can also let me know where in the world you are, where we're going, where we're headed today. I know we're headed to school. I know we're headed um, out to work. Some of you are on the road or out in the field this morning. So thank you so much. Some of you are sitting in your uh, in your cozy spot with your furry friend and a cup of coffee or tea. And um, yeah, I love I love the time we spend together. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We are um, beginning to learn a lot about some of the long-term effects, not only of COVID, but of COVID lockdowns and the isolation that many people experienced over a very long period of time. And let me just say that the things that we're learning about the long-term effects of those COVID lockdowns, none of them are good. Addiction, depression, domestic abuse, suicidal ideation, and now public displays of rage and violent crime all uh, dramatically either risen or on the rise since the beginning of the pandemic. So the numbers that I'm looking at are from the American Medical Association. They are from the CDC. They are from the American Psychological um, Association. And we're now learning that the mental health effects on teenagers in particular, um, showing just increased like what we're just describing as PTSD rates, right? So um, there's one particular group. We're going to talk about students. We're going to talk about um, teenagers with Brett Nix in just a minute from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. We're going to talk about the, the life and death mental health crisis among U.S. teens. But I want to highlight one other um, group of people dramatically affected by PTSD uh, in terms of COVID. So from the beginning of the pandemic, um, one of the places of greatest like grief and trauma for families was that COVID patients were isolated in ICUs, um, and then older, um, you know, older members of families were isolated and shut off from their families in their nursing homes or in their assisted living facilities, and literally family members did not have access to their people. So when they were sick and dying, uh, fighting for their lives, they were doing so alone. And there's now a new study from the um, Journal of American, uh, the Journal of the American Medical Association, the Internal Medicine um, Journal, saying that family members who could not be with their loved ones um, are reporting symptoms of PTSD in the months and now years following those restrictive policies. The limits on visits meant that family members 
could not confirm what they were being told by doctors and nurses. They couldn't comfort. They couldn't be with. They couldn't um, they couldn't hold their loved ones as they died. And that reality that you couldn't be there when your mom or your dad or your husband or your wife or your child died in an ICU or a nursing home or a long-term care facility, that is a trauma that is not going away. And that is a grief that people will bear for generations. Many of you listening right now are bearing that grief. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's something that we have to talk about. It's something we have to talk about in community. It's a trauma we, um, we have to recognize, and it's one that the church should um, be leaning into. And so if you're a pastor, if you're a lay leader in a congregation, um, and you think about the caring ministries that need to be expressed and extended in community right now, this is definitely one of them. Definitely one of them. All right, Dr. Brett Nix is going to join us next from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. We're going to talk specifically about the mental health crisis among U.S. teens. We're also going to talk about the health care shortage, health care worker shortage in America. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, joining us now, Dr. Brett Nix from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. You can find him at brettnixmd.com, and you can find the Christian Medical and Dental Association at cmda.org. Brett, good morning, and welcome back. Good morning, Carmen. How are you? Oh, I am well. It is well with my soul. It is spring where I live. We have 11 new baby chicks. You know, it's good. How about you? You know, I'm doing great. Uh, it's uh, it's spring in North Carolina, and with spring comes some sunshine. And I don't know. I'm an outdoor person, so I love being outdoors. And the change of seasons always a uh, smart. Absolutely. All right. So you and I are both um, aware of and concerned about the mental health crisis among U.S. teenagers. Tell us what we know, and then give us some ideas about what we can do. Well, you know, this is a challenging topic. We are in April, and so we're approaching May. And as you may know, May is the National Mental Health Month. And let me just set the, set the tone even before we jump into teenagers that people might not recognize. In 2019, this is pre-pandemic, we had about 52 million adults. Uh, and that does not include teens. If you add in teens, you're looking at 65 million that struggle with some level of mental health issue. We're not talking behavioral issues, although they sometimes overlap. Uh, but keep that in mind, that more than one in five people in the U.S. suffer from some form of mental illness. Uh, and the challenges that relate to that is what we know about the pandemic has been profound. Uh, think about this. As you mentioned just before we came on air, issues as far as lockdown, pulling the kids out of school, uh, the anxiety related to the uncertainty, uh, the stuff that people would watch related to COVID and what the focus was on was the level of death uh, and uncertainty related to that, which amplifies anxiety. But one of the most amazing things, and probably maybe two things, think about the milestones that occur during our adolescent and teen years. They're marked in short duration. Every other year, there's something unique. Every those milestones are further separated. 
every decade or so, uh, maybe the event that occurs in our life. And so many of our teenagers, many of our young adolescents uh, miss milestones that otherwise would have been normal for them. Uh, and that is a profound piece because this is a process of how we go through our staging from being young into the adult stage. You take that and the precursor to the COVID pandemic was what? It was the proliferation of social media and an engagement that brings people into relationship that is on a device rather than relational with people. You add those two things together, along with the lockdowns and issues as you brought forth, depression, domestic violence at home. Many kids don't have safe environments at home. School is a reprieve for them. The combination of these things have seen skyrocketing substance abuse. All right, we, uh, we're going to have to reconnect with, um, with Dr. Brett Nix. Um, what he was referring to there was uh, the skyrocketing rates of addiction, self-harm, um, despair, uh, so uh, suicidal ideation. Here's the subhead. Um, well, let me just read the headline and the subhead here in this New York Times piece. Quote, it's life or death, the mental health crisis among U.S. teens, depression, self-harm and suicide are rising among American adolescents. Um, For M, a 13-year-old in Minnesota, a 13-year-old in Minnesota, the despair was almost too much to take. So this is um, a conversation about a free-spirited 13-year-old girl in suburban Minneapolis who um, who last April um, sprang from uh, the chair in the living room um, ran out of the house through a sliding glass door across a patio and through the backyard and into the woods. Um, and um, her mom saw uh, her smartphone um, and um, her mom had grabbed the phone because she wanted to see something on it. And that was the trigger. Um, and her mom then, you know, was um, incredibly concerned. Um, she saw blood on her child's ankles from intentional self-harm. Um, and and many other things that uh, made her increasingly concerned about the welfare of her child. So um, that that spiral took two years: depression, self harm, a suicide attempt, um, and now she's running through the the woods outside of a Minneapolis suburb, um, you know, calling out for her child. Please tell me where you are. I'm not mad at you. I love you. Please tell me where you are. Um, that's what's going on with the youth in America right now. Parents are desperate for help. We're going to um, continue our conversation with Dr. Brett Nix in just a moment about what we can do. There's a mental health crisis among U.S. teens. What can we do about it? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right, we're talking with Dr. Brett Nix from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. Um, Brett, we've got this mental health crisis among U.S. teens. What can we do? You know, Carmen, it gets back to the basics of things. It is about having a relationship with our kids. Uh, and I'll be honest with you. As an adult, you have to ask yourself the question, what are the, most, what are the three most important things to you in your life? And your kids should certainly be one of them. And then ask yourself, where do you spend the most and the majority of your time? What are the top three areas where you spend your time? And if there's not an overlap in that space, then we're missing it as parents. Things we can do, obviously, simple things. Find a way at home to engage them. And if you say, gosh, they're too busy with their cell phones and they want to watch TV, 
do something different, play a board game, go for a walk, encourage the conversation, or just, if nothing else, encourage the activity together. Uh, the other thing as well, which we don't do, is invite their friends over. Encourage a friend in engagement. And again, as parents, we have to be mindful of the ability to identify their friends um, and help them to navigate those difficult challenges. But we want them in relationship. We don't want them on a, on a device. We want them to be together. And in this stage now where we are more of an endemic period with COVID, this is the time to do it. Uh, get outdoors. You know, Find a place nearby, a park or an environment where you can take them outside and, and engage in activity to some degree because we know that the value proposition of exercise and activity and doing that in community with family is tremendously important. But we cannot forget the simple fact. We need to be on our knees praying for our kids. We need to be recognizing that you know, God has given us this gift of a child to raise up in a godly home, that we are going to face challenges. We are called to face challenges, but we have to be mindful about bringing our children forward uh, in prayer and lifting them up to God. And again, the basic stuff, make sure that they get good sleep, make sure that they're eating well, make sure that they're getting exercise. But most importantly, recognize the simple things of disengagement, of change of behavior. Um, and especially if you have a child that is always positive, if all of a sudden there's a shift in their emotional state, their psychological state, you need to recognize that those are some of the red flags that we need to be mindful of. If you're looking for a resource, I'm thinking here about Kara Powell's um, book on you know, being with, growing uh, with our kids. And so um, you could just Google Carol, Kara Powell in terms of walking with your teen in these days and that, that withing relationship. We actually have to start by getting to know them. Um, and so I think those are some of the things you're talking about, uh, Brett, as well. Um, I have another question for you today, and that's about the healthcare worker shortage I'm hearing about in America. Um, I'm thinking that part of it is burnout, but is there something else going on? Well, I tell you, it is uh, something that we've known for over a decade, and we saw this highlighted during the pandemic that we have a, we have a workforce shortage, specifically noted around the nursing population, uh, and we know that that is incredibly low right now and will persist for the next decade. But unfortunately, when we look at this, we actually piggyback that whole process on the fact that a large percentage of our physicians, two in five, will be over the age of 65 in the coming years. And quite honestly, you know, healthcare has changed a lot. There's a lot more focus on the electronic medical record, which has shifted a lot of the physician-patient engagement uh, to much more of a computer-based dialogue. Uh, and in addition to that, uh, the question is, is, with COVID, how long will people continue to work? The backfill of people that are coming out of medical school and filling into these spaces have tremendous amounts of debt. And unfortunately, that debt many times shifts them away to primary care base. So we have a growing gap of what we need in primary care, especially in rural areas. And what we also will see in the coming probably decade is a continued decline of the availability of specialty physicians, not just your primary care. Think for a moment, each one of you that are listening, how long does it take you to see your primary care doctor, let alone when you need to see a specialist? How long are you backlogged before you can actually see them? Uh, unfortunately, in the current circumstances as it stands, in the absence of us changing a process, this is going to continue to get worse. All right. So I'm often, um, you know, the person that I see maybe isn't my primary care physician. It's, you know, it's the doc in the box, right? Because I'm, I'm just popping in when I don't feel good and I'm not actually going through the whole process of making an appointment with my primary care physician. So, you know, truth be told, Brett, I see her once a year, like, right, to check off the box of an annual physical. I don't, it's not like I have a relationship with my primary care physician. How unusual am I? 
Uh, not unusual at all. I think the, the days where your primary care physician knows you well and you have a relationship uh, is declining substantially, uh, in part because many times we have the desire to be seen in a very urgent fashion or in a very short window of time. And technology has allowed the benefit of that through virtual visits and things like that. So at least we can align our healthcare needs. The challenge, as you and I know, is the physical health is only a small piece of really what's going on. We have the psychological, the spiritual, uh, the mental health pieces that are in the background in addition to our physical health. But many times the physical health in, in how it's presenting itself is simply a reflection of what else is going on. And sometimes in the absence of those connections, what we end up having is instead of going in and having lifestyle change, we end up having prescriptions being, being offered and different therapies and things along those lines. When in, in quite reality, it comes down to the fact that we need to be in relationship and we need to be addressing some of the really deep issues that uh, either us personally or societally, we're not willing to have conversation about. Okay, so when you think about um, the, I mean, I'll use the term sicknesses. Um, it's probably broader than that. The, the things that, that we don't feel good about or that make us not feel so good. Am I hearing you right? A lot of it is behavioral. I think a tremendous amount of it is behavioral, and I think that it has continued to climb exponentially really within the last decade, but amplified in the last two years because of COVID. Uh, It's amazing the amount of uh, physical presentation that stress in any degree, wherever it's coming from, can present on the body, especially if you have underlying conditions. Now, one of the greatest challenges we have in the U.S. population is that we have so many uh, non-communicable diseases. What do I mean by that? The things like diabetes and blood pressure and hypertension and obesity. But we can't have conversations about those things because it's a shaming issue to have a dialogue with somebody to say, hey, we really need to address these lifestyle issues. You add to that the stress of the things going on, and all of a sudden issues of chronic pain develop, uh, the inability to manage your blood pressure, the inability to manage your diabetes. Those things are all stress-induced. And when your body's under undue stress for great durations of time, it causes a collapse of your immune system. These are all known things that are biologically based and physiologically understood. And it's amazing to me uh, how often we look for a quick fix rather than really trying to address the issue. Mm. All right. That's so helpful and, um, and not just a little bit sobering. Um, Brett, is there anything else sort of on the radar that you think we ought to be alert to in terms of what you're thinking about and, uh, and other Christian physicians are thinking about these days and, you know, how, how as Christians we uh, might engage in the conversations of the day? You know, that's an awesome question. And I'll tell you, this is something that uh, in conversation is, is, uh, is refreshing because I'll tell you what, as a man of faith uh, and a physician myself, it comes down to the simple basics. It is that we are called to love God and we are called to love all people, period. Uh, and in that process, as a physician, it is one of these things where I am called to follow what I believe from a biblical perspective, but also from a biological perspective. And, you know, many times in, uh, in current ideology and society, we are tasked to sometimes shift away from biological knowledge into ideological premise of things. Uh, and this is going to be a, an increasingly difficult challenge for uh, physicians and for healthcare workers of faith as we start to tackle what does this look like uh, in a world that is starting to embrace things that are, that are not necessarily clearly biological and certainly not biblical. Uh, and the, the beauty of that is we have organizations like CMDA and so many others that come alongside us to provide us insight, to provide us support. And most importantly, we're here for our patients. We love them, 
It doesn't matter what their background is. It doesn't matter what their ideologies are. Uh, we are here to do what is right for them uh, from a health perspective, recognizing the full balance of this. And I tell you, I would ask all of the American population to do the exact same thing. We need to love God. We need to love people. And we need to come alongside each other and find a solution. Yeah, I think there are um, there are ideas out there that run contrary to um, biology and certainly contrary to the Bible. And those um, those ideas are not only prevalent, but gaining um, gaining legal status. And I think what I hear you saying is uh, Christians who are physicians or work in healthcare, um, there's a rising challenge out there and we all need to be aware of it. That's absolutely true. And, you know, yeah. this is this is the challenge of our decade. Um, and there have been challenges in the past and we have two choices. We need to step forward and be bold and love the people uh, around the challenge because uh, the last thing we want to do is to go ahead and step back and fade into the distance. All right, that's Dr. Brett Nix. You can um, you can find him and connect with him online. Brett, one T, brettnixmd.com. You can also uh, check out tons of resources at cmda.org. That's the Christian Medical and Dental Association. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. All right, for more on that topic that you just heard discussed on Breakpoint, that was the subject of our conversation yesterday with Dr. Linda Mental. So you can go and listen to that in case you missed it. It is posted at MyFaithRadio.com in the Mornings with Carmen podcast or right there on the Faith Radio app if that's where you're listening. You could just uh, scroll back to yesterday's conversation with Dr. Linda Mental. We talked about um, that same topic that John Stone Street was just covering on today's Breakpoint. Next up, uh, Mary DeMuth. Um, she's going to join us on her most recent book, The Most Misunderstood Women of the Bible. Let me just ask it this way. Do you feel misunderstood? Do you wish people understood you better? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not alone. The Most Misunderstood Women of the Bible and how, well, there's hope for the misunderstood women of the world today. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. an author. She is a friend in Christ. Um, she's a misunderstood woman who wants us to better understand how we are um, understood by the one who matters most. We're going to talk about the most misunderstood women of the Bible. Mary, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. So great to be here, Carmen. How are you today? Oh, I am well. I am well. But like you, I um, I suffer having been in periods of my life and in particular relationships misunderstood I love that that's the impetus behind this book. So um, if we can, let's start there. Can you share with folks, you know, your own experience of being misunderstood? Because that really leads us into the conversation about the most misunderstood women of the Bible. Yeah, so I had a misunderstanding with a close friend a couple of years ago that just kind of escalated and became very painful. And I've just really felt the Holy Spirit say, don't defend yourself, just be quiet. And that was a hard discipline for sure. And then right around that same time, I was rapid reading the Bible, and I was finding that a lot of these women that I tackled in the book, 
um, were not really understood as well just by a plain reading of scripture. And so I combine those two ideas into one book of who are these misunderstood women and what can they teach us about being misunderstood? Because it's one of the hardest things we go through as believers. Okay, first, what is rapid reading of the Bible? <laughs> so I'll read the whole Bible in two or three months. I love that. Okay, so um, tell us about that. That sounds actually really kind of cool. Like, ha- what did you? Is this something you've done for a long time? Uh, I, um, mean, I, I love this. Yeah, uh, actually, just the past couple of years, and it's been just something I wanted to do because. I felt like I was missing the whole narrative of scripture. Mm. And so I just thought, and I also was using my phone too much. And if you're rapid reading the Bible, you don't have time to scroll and doom scroll. So it was a good combination. I love that. All right. Rapid reading of the Bible. We're going to return to that topic another time. So this desire to be known, this is one of the things that um, I felt was really well expressed in this conversation, Um, because when I consider the ways that I'm misunderstood or when there is a misunderstanding, when um, when like you, I hear God say, don't defend yourself like this is not (laughs) that's not going to end well. Um, All of this grows out of a genuine desire to be known. Um, I love what Paul says about, you know, the day is coming when not only will I know fully, but I'll be fully known. I'll know Mm. that I'm fully known. Um, this desire to be understood. I think that's universal. I think it reflects the reality of the image of God within us. I mean, God is the one who reveals himself in order to be known. Talk a little bit about the desire to be understood and then what misunderstanding or being misunderstood um, results in, you know, in, in our lives and in our relationships. Well, when we are well understood by our loved ones, then there can be a deeper sense of connection and community And so when we're misunderstood, um, there's a break in communication somehow. And when I walked through this with my friend, I had another friend I was talking to at the time. And she said to me, she goes, you know, Jesus was the most misunderstood human on the planet. And it really Mm -hmm. caused me to kind of reread through the gospels and think about what that meant. And therefore, because he has been misunderstood. And if you read the gospels with that lens, you'll be very surprised. It's pretty amazing. Um, But because he was misunderstood, he is that empathetic savior who can come alongside. So even if the whole world doesn't understand you, the Lord does. And Jesus understands what it means to be misunderstood. All right. We're talking with Mary DeMuth about her newest book, The Most Misunderstood Women of the Bible. Um, Jesus literally understands me when I feel misunderstood. That is such a comfort, right? I mean, that is such a comfort. Definitely. I mean, I I think that, um, you know, there have been those deep, dark times or those dark nights of the soul where I feel alone or lonely, but that's those times when the Lord really comes near. And I, I know that I'm fully known. And like you said, we do see through a, a mere dimly, but uh, there will be that moment where we are fully known. And I'm, I look forward to that someday. <laughs> so, um, so Mary, and by the way, friends, you can find Mary DeMuth at Mary DeMuth, D-E-M-U-T-H, marydemuth.com. Um, you explore the stories of 10 women who are misunderstood in their day. Um, some of them, I don't think, come as a, like a particular surprise that they made the list, Eve, Tamar, Mary of Magdala. Um, but the Proverbs 31 woman, that might be a surprise to people. How is the Proverbs 31 woman misunderstood? 
Well, first we have to realize that the audience for that particular end of Proverbs is actually men. It's a, a mom talking to her son saying, these are the qualities of an excellent wife. So I think we've just, we, um, not in her context, but we today misunderstand her and as if that that is a snapshot of the day of her life, when in actuality, it's more likely something like an epitaph. It's like uh, what you would read in an obituary. These are the highlights. Or when you read a missionary biography and you're like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> they always did the right decision and they always were full of faith. And we never see like the grunt, you know, the grunting part of being a missionary. And so these are the highlights of her life. I think we misunderstand her by thinking that this is how her every day is. And then we feel guilty because we're not doing enough. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't, um, you know, this wasn't a reflection of this is who she was in every moment of every day. And therefore you should have these expectations of yourself to be this Proverbs 31 woman in this way. Um, these are the character qualities and the things to look for in terms of the the consistent, um, maybe the consistent highlights, the the way a woman is um, generally as opposed to the way she is in every single moment because it's just a, it's an unrealistic expectation yes and she's made us tired and sad so um, mm. and I'm sure that I'm sure that she doesn't didn't mean that so um, we need to also as women as uh, in particular we need to offer ourselves a whole bunch of grace that um, maybe the Lord is after our hearts and uh and that is more important than a frenetic activity that we use or do to try to impress a Lord who already loves us. Yeah, I like to juxtapose a conversation about um, the Proverbs 31 woman when somebody, you know, is understanding that as a, hey, here's the blueprint, here's the pattern, this is, you know, I need to wear myself out to look like this. And then I have a conversation about Mary and Martha um, and mm -hmm. Jesus's interaction with them in their home. And, you know, and what he says about, you know, choosing what's better, sitting quietly at his feet, being with him, knowing him, um, what, you know, obviously the things of service are important, but the sitting at the feet of Jesus is really is essential. It is. And I just got a message today from a friend who's about 10 years down the line from me in her walk with God. And she said, yeah, lately it's just been about me spending time with Jesus and resting more. And there's something that just quickened in my spirit of, oh my gosh, I'm too busy. I'm just too busy. And I need to spend time with the Lord in that kind of Martha position or that Mary position. Not my, I've been in the, my name is Mary. I've been in the Martha <laughs> position. I need to be born in the Mary position. <laughs> Um, we have a, a listener who's asking, hey, any chance that Mary DeMuth could share the Bible rapid reading plan? How about <laughs> I just send them to uh, like Google Bible in 90 days because there's lots of reading plans out there. Well, I can give a very simple explanation. So take the number of pages in your Bible and divide it by however many days you want to read it. And then that's how many you read and go from front to back. Right, because if I say it's about 12 pages a day, then um, if you're you're using a large uh, print Bible, you're not going to yeah. get there. <laughs> right, and, and typically, I mean, I've used a bunch of different Bibles. It's typically about 40 to 50 pages a day. Wow, okay. See, that's really helpful to know. All right, we're talking with Mary DeMuth. We're talking about her rapid reading of the Bible, but we're also talking about her latest book. It's brand new, The Most Misunderstood Women of the Bible. If you want hope, um, as a misunderstood woman in the world today, uh, this book is for you. The Most Misunderstood 
Women of the Bible. More with Mary DeMuth when we come back. God only knows. Have you ever been uh, mischaracterized or misrepresented? Well, you know, Jesus certainly understands that. Uh, Nobody in all of history has been more misunderstood, uh, misquoted, mischaracterized, misrepresented by family, friends, uh, or the crowd, or the religious leaders of the day than Jesus was. There are um, women in the Bible who stand out as characters who are misunderstood. And Mary DeMuth highlights those in her new book, The Most Misunderstood Women of the Bible, what their stories teach us about thriving. Um, Mary, I'm wondering, is uh, is there a woman you want to tell us about today? Who, you know, you just, maybe she's been speaking to you um, in the last few days even, and you're just like, yeah, I want to highlight this particular misunderstood woman of the Bible. The one that stands out to me recently is Leah, um, because she is judged and misunderstood based on her looks. And I think this is something that all of us struggle with, whether we're a man or a woman. Um, 100% of us are getting, you know, a year older every year. <laughs> and uh, who we were is not who we are today. And sometimes I look in the mirror and go, oh, okay. <laughs> I have this like weird, like crazy, weird, growing giant age spot on the right side of my neck. And I'm like, what is that? Like, it's <laughs> huge. <laughs> yeah, it happens. This happens. It does. And she has so much to teach us about, um, you know, she definitely was misunderstood because she wasn't as pretty as her, as her sister, but we see in her naming of her children, she starts off with this kind of sadness, like maybe, maybe my husband will realize I'm cool now. And then by the end of it, she's naming God, she's naming her son praise. And so you see this transformation of, um, kind of despair and sadness, and then how it moves forward towards something just so beautiful of what is more important to me as I get older is um, I want to have a beautiful soul. And our society mitigates against that. Um, The society says you are no longer worthy if you no longer look like this particular image. But I think what the Lord is looking at, and we see that in scripture, that the Lord looks at the heart. My goal is that the the deeper I walk with Jesus, the more beautiful my soul is, that that would be the most um, important part of me. What does a beautiful, like, what are the attributes of a beautiful soul? That is, that would be a great conversation to have with a group of women. It would. And maybe I should write a book about that too. So I'll just start writing another book. But, um, but it's such a good topic because we, um, we are stuck in this, um, we have, we have bought into the lies of the culture that you are what you look like. And, um, not that we should, you know, just let everything go or whatever, but, um, but what does it look like that every day I am more kind? I have more of the fruits of the spirit. I treat people with more patience. Um, I was stuck in traffic yesterday trying to get to an interview, uh, a radio interview. And I was like, ah, and I just, at the end of that kind of, ah, I was like, oh, shoot, <laughs> that was not what a beautiful soul would do. <laughs> so um, anyway, we're all on, in process, aren't we? So my husband likes to talk about, like, what does it mean to be a living demonstration of the gospel in ways that make the gospel um, beautiful, substantial, and visible? And I think that's what you're talking about. Like, right? If I would begin to evaluate um, the attributes of a beautiful soul, 
uh, I'm, I'm really talking about not only, you know, my inward relationship with God, but it's outward expressions. Exactly. And, you know, what, what do I want to be known as? You know, we talked about the Proverbs 31 woman and her extensive resume, but I'd, I want to kind of be like Leah at the end of her life where she was praising God and, you know, worship is our eternal occupation in heaven. And how are we preparing for that eternal occupation? A beautiful soul tends to praise God in the dark times and, and still has a good, godly, holy, eternal perspective in the midst of difficulties and trials, which are a plenty for all of us. Okay. Um, producer Paul, will you mark down that timestamp? Because I want to hear that again. I want to hear what you just said again. That is, Mary, that is so true and so rich. Um, to look like Leah, praising God, um, talking about, talk about worship again. What is worship? I love that That's, line. Yeah, that's our eternal occupation in heaven. That's what we're going to be doing forever. So when we practice worship on this side of eternity, we are practicing for our eternal job. And I find that very fascinating and exciting. Mm. That is so great. That is so great. All right, we're talking with Mary DeMuth. She's a prolific author. She's also a literary agent. She'll pray for you um, by name personally. Uh, you go to marydemuth.com to find uh, not only access to Mary, but all of her resources, marydemuth.com. Um, talk with us a little bit about the Valley of Misunderstanding. I feel like it is akin to the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Um, we walk through it, but it changes us. It does. And that, I think that's what, um, what I've learned is that it causes me to have kind of camaraderie with Jesus. Cause as I mentioned earlier, he's the most misunderstood person on earth. And so when I'm misunderstood, I feel this kinship with him that I may not have felt before. And this is why we have the Holy spirit. One of the many reasons we have the Holy spirit is that sometimes the Holy spirit will say, you need to defend yourself in this situation. And sometimes like in the case of my friend that I had a misunderstanding with, sometimes he says, you need to be silent. I am the manager of your reputation. And so walking through that Valley, um, it's really important that you have the Holy spirit with you to train you and teach you what is the next step. Mm. Um, we talked a couple of weeks ago now, or maybe it was last week, um, with a friend from Gordon-Conwell Seminary, and he encouraged us to interview the Holy Spirit uh, every day. And I hear that in what you're saying as well. Um, when you think about prayer, when you think about talking with God, um, I'm, I'm thinking that you address the Holy Spirit. You talk with the Holy Spirit. I think a lot of people just talk to the Father. Um, you know, we do it through access through the Son. Can you give us a little window into your prayer life? Yes. I, it feels like, um, to be super honest, it's more like during the day, like Holy spirit, what do you want me to do next? Or how do I respond mm -hmm. to this situation? Because I know the spirit lives within me or, um, those times where I'm really broken. And we know that one of the names of the Holy spirit or one of the tenets of the Holy spirit is comforter. And so it's more like that. And then I love that the scripture says the Holy spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So there's times when my prayers are like, ah, and he knows, so he can translate that to the father for me. I love that. No, I, I have the ah, prayers as well. Um, so <laughs> So thank you. Yes, in those groans and sighs too deep for words. We're talking with Mary DeMuth. We're talking um, around and about 
her most recent book, The Most Misunderstood Women of the Bible. You can find Mary uh, and lots of resources at Mary Demuth, D-E-M-U-T-H dot com. Um, all right, one um, one minute on somebody's listening right now and they want to write a book. What are you looking for as a literary agent? <laughs> um, the next bestseller, of course. <laughs> um, no, I'm I'm looking. I love the global church. I love um, new churches being developed. I love leadership, and I love. Um, I love stories about the faithfulness and surprising provision of God. And so I guess that's a lot of a wide variety of things that I'm looking for. Um, I want to see something where he is highlighted and he's doing something spectacular. Mm. So we had um, we had a moment on Sunday, uh, a church is being launched out of the congregation where I worship. And um, I mean, we literally stood in awe at what God is doing through this group of young people. I mean, young people. I was I was sitting there thinking to myself, they already, um, I mean, they're launching this church in the next couple of weeks, and they already, there's no question, they already need a children's ministry. Because I'm like, mm. look at all those babies. And this was really cool. Two of the people who are a part of this new church launch, this new church development, were second graders together in our church. And so mm. they showed the picture of their second grade Sunday school class, which is obviously now many years ago. Um, and our pastor said, um, you know, so that um, so that new church development curriculum that we're doing in second grade Sunday school, that's really working. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, Mary, as always, what a delight. You delight my heart. I just love you. Um, thank you for bringing us the most misunderstood women of the Bible. More importantly, thank you for coming and visiting with us yourself. We um, we love who you are and what you're doing. You guys need to visit with Mary, marydumuth.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. We'll be right back. just want you to recognize today that God sees you and God understands you are known fully. We don't yet know God fully, um, but we are already fully known. And it takes, um, it takes humility and it takes a recognition that God loves us to stand in front of him naked with all our flaws um, and just let ourselves be loved. God loves you. God loves you. Can you just let yourself be loved today? He knows everything about you. He understands you. And he loves you. Let yourself be loved today. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.